Hello, beautiful. This is Reverend Jennifer Hadley, and the recording you're about to listen to is part of the Living a Course in Miracles teleclass. Our intention in offering this class is to give you clear tools and practices that you can use to align with love every day in every area of your life. No one can do your healing for you. You must decide to choose love in every moment to the very best of your ability. Remember, miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. Intend to live a miraculous life of love and share the benefits of your healing and your expansion with everyone because you're one with them. Please pause the recording before the class starts and write down your intention in listening to the class. Partner up with your own higher Holy Spirit self. And please go to jenniferhadley.com for more tools and practical loving support every day. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the class. I'm going to invite everyone to take that breath of love and gratitude with me and with Gabrielle here. We've got Gabrielle Bernstein, author of Add More Ink to Your Life and Spiritual Junkie. She's a beautiful teacher of A Course in Miracles, and she's going to share with us tools and tips for truly healing self-esteem because she has done the work. So she's not giving you something she read in a book. She's going to share with us what she has actually done to heal her own heart. And I'm so excited for this. So let's begin by placing our hand on our heart and taking that breath of love and gratitude and remembering our true identity right now. We drop down into our heart. And taking this breath, we raise our vibration simply by being grateful to be the two or more who are gathered in the name and the nature of the Christ presence, the great I am. We are consciously connecting and communing with the higher Holy Spirit self, invoking divine grace into our awareness right now. We open ourselves for healing. We're releasing all attachments. We're releasing any false ideas we have about ourselves any identification with a false self, any identification with lack and limitation, suffering and separation. We're placing it on the holy altar fire of God's love right now. We're opening ourselves for this healing. We're calling it forth. We're accepting it. What I know for myself, for Gabrielle, that we are open to the Spirit and we speak the truth the truth that sets us free, and we're grateful and thankful to know that we share the benefits of our healing and our expanding awareness with everyone because we're one with them. All boats rise on this holy tide of love. How good it is. How good it is. In grace and gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 
So I am going to just ask the the most direct question of all, and that is, what have you found to be that sort of linchpin in your spiritual practice that has opened the door to self-love for you, Gabrielle? For me, I feel as though I actually didn't necessarily know it was happening throughout the process of reclaiming that experience of self-love. It was something that I woke up and and realized I was back there. Mm. I had been a student and a teacher of the Course for seven years, and there was so much self-hatred and attack early in that process and obviously leading up to finding the Course. And the time that I've spent as a student has been such a great, tremendous unconscious learning, unlearning, an unconscious mm-hmm. unlearning, that I, I almost had this moment about two years ago where someone asked me, are you, are you proud of who you've become? And I said, I haven't become anyone. I'm just more myself. And it was, it was that moment of recognition. Oh, I let go of all those false pretenses I had placed upon myself. And now I'm just present in this experience. And so that was, that was a really neat moment for me. I don't know exactly how it happened. I think mm-hmm. it was the evolution of a lot of steadfast practice and adding up miracles and adding up the shifts and adding up forgiveness. And one day at a time, it was just bestowed upon me. And so I don't know that there was necessarily a specific turning point, but that was a really nice moment of recognition. Oh, yeah, that's all gone. I don't, of course, there's many moments where I get hooked into those illusory ways of thinking, but I don't identify with that anymore. Now, for many people, that is actually hard to imagine. It's just letting it go. It just seems hard to imagine. It seems really inconceivable. And from when you started... So seven years ago, or whenever it was, let's let's say, what was your low point? Do you think how how long ago was your your low? Well, I had a big bottom in 2005. I was addicted to drugs and alcohol, and severely codependent, and addicted to workaholism, and and really hit my knees hard when I was 25. And that's when I found the course. And what I would say to someone that's in that position is feeling, well, how do I get there? This sounds so inconceivable. I think that the real answer is lots of little right actions. I don't think that I was actually so focused on the, the outcome or the or the, the release. I was more focused on just the moment-to-moment experiences of relief. Mm-hmm. And as a result of just letting myself make those subtle shifts, I was I was able to experience some really radical change. And I like I said, I didn't necessarily know that that change had hit until I just sort of was in a moment of recognition. Wow, I fear, you know, wow, I'm no longer hooked into that. And I think that that experience happens through the repetition and through the dedication to the principles of the Course and really inviting the principles into your every area of your life. You know, it's not just about your, your spiritual part of your day, it's your spiritual life and really treating every moment as a divine spiritual learning opportunity. You know, I've been thinking a lot about that saying, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And that's what I'm hearing you say, is you learn to do everything 
from the place of spiritual practice. Yeah, and of course there were you know tons of moments of going out and 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 following my ego and and not being in that mindset. But the practice was to forgive myself and come back. And so right. even even in the midst of going out, you're in your practice. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, there's not one day that I don't fall off my practice and pick myself up. Now it's, you know, seconds usually versus hours or days or weeks, yeah. Or years. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, decades for some. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, that's been my experience, too, is that over time, what would take, you know, two weeks to first figure out, and then two weeks to get out of now could take seconds. Yeah, could really take seconds. So when you hit that bottom in two thousand five, what on a scale of one to ten, let's say, with uh, uh, a healthy self esteem being a ten, where were you on that scale, one to ten? I mean, that's probably a four. Uh huh. Yeah, it was pretty low. Maybe lower. And do you think uh, my that entire sense of self worth was really based on outside circumstances and situations? Very well. Yeah. yeah. So, can you illustrate some examples of that so people can recognize it in their own life? So, where your sense of self worth comes from circumstances. Yes, I was looking for my sense of self worth and my sense of safety and security and peace in my credentials and my romantic relationships and my body in my financial status, anything that was outside of spirit, anything that was outside of my truth. I was looking for it outside of myself. And that experience of searching, searching, searching really was the catalyst to me hitting bottom because we often know that we can, we can try, we can try, we can try, we can you know, do it a million different ways it will always end up falling short. And luckily for me, I feel so blessed that I was a drug addict at 25. It's the best gift that was ever given to me. It was God's plan, and it was divine. And the Holy Spirit was like, let's have her hit her knees young and hit her, hit her knees hard <laughs> and wake up real young so that I could start to, and wake up real fast so I could start to wake up a new generation as well. I think a lot of people your age uh, are coming to spirit a lot faster. I'm 52, and so I'm 20 years older than you, and uh, I, I know it was a lot slower for me, but for me it was faster than it was for a lot of people who are older than me, that we are experiencing this progressive waking up uh, and all our minds are joined, so each person's contribution to the wake-up is so valuable. I couldn't agree more. It's happening real fast right now for for those for younger folks are waking up faster, and then those folks that took a little longer are still waking up really fast now, right? So it's like the the collective wake-up call is here, and I. I definitely felt that for myself. I felt like it was really, it was set up really fast. I felt a very strong, strong inner call. It's like you got to get yourself together because you got work to do and you got to tell a story in an authentic way and you're a rock and tour for Christian Miracles and make sure that it's being told 
loud. And um, my own personal experiences have been my greatest teaching devices and really the most awesome way to be able to teach for me is just by sharing my experience, of course, experiences of what transformations I've gone through and and the gifts that, that come from these principles and practicing these methods. Yeah, and you have been such a dedicated student. So when you first came to the course and you first hit your knees and and began this process of waking up and releasing the false identification, what were the actual day-to-day practices that helped you the most? Well, obviously doing the workbook has, has and will always be a big part of my life. I love redoing the workbook. It's like, so it's so fun to redo the exercise and just be like, oh, my God, I get that now, you know, and just to come back around and revisit the text and revisit the workbook. And, and so I was a regular workbook thumper and uh, really, as most, like most, struggled a bit with the text in the beginning, but was kind to myself. If I could read a page a day, I was really quite proud of that. And... It was teachers like Gary that really helped wake me up. A friend of mine, I think it was about a year into practicing the course, a friend of mine gave me the disappearance of the universe. This is Mm. a friend that I don't see often. I randomly went to her house. I don't even know why I ended up there, very far away from where I live. Somehow randomly got to her house. I didn't know why I was there. I kept thinking, what am I doing here? And she said, I feel like I need to give you this book. And she handed me The Disappearance of the Universe. And we all know how thick and dense that book is. <laughs> I read it in six hours. I read it, I, I stayed up until like five in the morning reading the book. And I <laughs> literally read it in six hours. And it was, and then the second I put it down, I picked up the course and it was like I was reading the newspaper. I could interpret the course in a whole new way. And, and, the Holy Spirit was working through Gary and working through the book and working through my friends to just, just get me there. And that's really what I wanted. I was like, I just want to understand this differently. I want this to be clear. I want to really, I just was ready to just kind of get there. And that book was the, was the catalyst for me. That book just straightened me out. And, and, and literally within the next day, I picked up the course. I was literally like reading a newspaper. I was like, got this. So clear. And wow. so I'm grateful for Gary. I'm grateful for that experience. I'm grateful for my friend giving me the book. And I think that that really helped me heighten my practice. And then, you know, it was really about living the principles and being mindful of becoming this really lovely, non-judgmental witness of my fear. And as we were talking about earlier, that that became. And, and today is really the biggest, most valuable tool I use is just continuously witness my ego without judgment and bring it mm-hmm. to the Holy Spirit for healing every mm-hmm. moment. Every moment, not every hour, every moment I am conscious. Every moment I have that conscious contact because that experience, that shift is what has allowed me to just take down that veil to feel, to hear, to know, and, and to, to live in a place of really feeling a tremendous amount of guidance. And to then reclaim that experience of self-love. So 
did you experience then in this uh, really getting into the daily practice, working the workbook, did you start to see how your relationship to yourself was changing in terms of treating yourself better, making higher choices? Oh, absolutely. I began to obviously stay clean. I've been sober now seven years. So the without that relationship to the Holy Spirit, without that relationship to my inner guidance system and, and that self-love experience, I would not be able to stay clean. Uh, I started to respect myself in relationships. I started to respect myself uh, in the way that I would talk to myself and think. And, yeah, and most importantly, with my thoughts, I started to see my, my ego thoughts as toxic and, and, and really became very, very mindful and conscious of, of how those thoughts were affecting me and, and started to really just one moment at a time, one thought at a time, turn it over. You know what I loved that you shared in Spirit Junkie was that, so here you are, you're writing your second book, and you're talking about when you began your first book, that the ego mind was telling you that you don't have what it takes to write a book, you, you don't, you're not articulate enough to write a book, and all of these things come flying into your mind. And How did you actually work with that in order to go forth and write your book? Just literally brought it to the Holy Spirit. healing. Had I not had those tools, I wouldn't have been able to do that. I wouldn't have been able to get through it. My ego really had me in a headlock when I was writing both of those books, particularly the first one because I hadn't had the experience of the first one under my belt yet. Uh, and, you know, I write about this in the book. I had eighth grade English. I had no experience writing a book, but I knew I had something to tell and a story to tell, and I'd been given a publishing deal, and it was like, i got to do this, you know? Um, and... I, I, I brought it to my meditation pillow, and I just said, please help me re- release this and help me be loved instead of this. And very, very quickly, the guidance came in. The book fell off the shelf. The, 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 you know, immediately after that, that call for help, I got the intuition to contact a dear friend of mine who would work with a writing coach, and then that writing coach within 24 hours became my writing coach. And so as... As it always happens, once we surrender to spirit, we're given everything we need to make it happen, to heal. And so it's just that, that, that has become my life's practice, is just to give to spirit and then let the guidance come in. And then most importantly, show up to the guidance. Listen to the guidance. And I'm happy to say I've been working through it because i got more, I got a lot more books in me, so I had to keep <laughs> writing. <laughs> Clearly. Now, you make such an important point. Get Gabrielle, because many people, they get stuck and they get stopped. So just what you said about when you make the commitment, when you make the decision, Spirit will provide everything that's needed. So for someone who, because many people who are listening might be in that place of they're feeling stuck, they they have inspiration. They have guidance to write a book, to do a dance, to do something fabulous, something wonderful, some expression of their divinity, and yet they get stopped because of the self-esteem, because of the self-sabotaging judgment. W- what would you say to that person of how to really get into the nitty-gritty of working with it every day? I think the first part is, there's, there's two pieces. One is 
that, that experience of just accepting we're all in it together. You know, the ego wants to compare and say, oh, she's got the book or she's got the, the course and he's got this. And, and the ego wants to say, well, how dare I? And, you know, I can't because it's not enough to go around. These people are already doing it. All the crazy crap that goes through our minds. And so the first, the first thing we have to really claim is that we all are miracle workers. We all are here on the same mission. We all have the same story to tell. We all have an experience, experience that we can be uh, a storyteller in our own right and be a teacher in our own right. And claiming that, really claiming that as not, oh, in an ego way, oh, I'm going to do this because it makes me who I am. Claiming it from, I, this is what I'm here and I have to do this. And taking the responsibility for that work as a miracle worker. I think really will help you. I think that when we're in that space of, oh, I want the, the message to come out this way and I need to teach in this way and I want to share my gifts this way, we limit ourselves. We play really small. When we tune into that place of there is a lot of work to do and I better shine bright, then we can be really unapologetic about the service that we need to, prov- to be provided for us to do that work be really unapologetic about the miracles that are given. You can be unapologetic about the support that we receive and and really just show up in a big way. Right. We're entitled to miracles. And we must be extensions of those miracles. But when we start seeing it, it's not about me, it's about the fact that there's a lot of love that this world needs, then that was a big shift for me. And I really said, oh, oh, that there's a lot of illusory stuff that is really taking us down. I, I need to, I need to serve. When I stepped into that, yeah. That's when that I mean that ironically was when you know my career exploded and things got, and things started to move really fast was when it was no longer about me. You know, I say that all the time when people come to me for counseling and they say they're afraid of failure. They have a a brilliant idea, something they feel inspired and motivated to move towards, but they're afraid because they're afraid of failure. What I say to them is God cannot fail. So when you are doing it purely for the love of God, purely to be of service, Spirit cannot fail as you. You don't know how it will ultimately look. You know, I'm sure when you started writing the first book, you didn't really know that it would look like how it is right now. No, I didn't. And, and I really, really love what you just said, by the way. I just think that that is exactly what people need to hear, that when you tap into this is God's work, and I'm here to just be an extension of that and trust that, well, God's work doesn't fail then exactly what needs to happen will happen of the highest truth. And it won't look the way you necessarily think it needs to look. And in many cases, it looks far greater than you could ever have imagined. So true. That's in my experience. I mean, every, everything that's happened to me, um, from my career to my romantic relationships to how I experience my physical body and to how I experience my spirit, is eight million times greater than I could ever, ever have imagined. <laughs> not have imagined this treatment. No way. Exactly. Me too. Me too. High five on that one. 
You know, yeah. I think of Gary Renard. To me, Gary is such a good example of this because when you read Disappearance of the Universe, and, you know, I've, I've, he's been a friend of mine now for, I don't know, half a dozen years, and, uh, y- you know, he, what he shows so clearly in Disappearance of the Universe is he started in this place where he was really thinking and acting like a knucklehead. And he he has transformed so much and what the life that he enjoys now that he loves was unimaginable unimaginable yeah. when he began yeah yeah oh yeah i know it's it, it, it's funny it's like it's great being able to know people's stories and know the backstory and then also see how they thrive today and it's really, really beautiful to witness. And I hope that that, for anyone, any listeners that are in a darker place right now, that the ego is going to want to use those examples to compare and say, well, you know, I can't have that. And, and let, your, let the Holy Spirit speak louder and say, there's no difference between you and Gary. There's no difference between you and me. Right. That you know, the commitment to, to, the, to the course will get you there. Absolutely you know, it's, will get you there. What, what just occurs to me now as you're sharing, Gabrielle, is... How dare we think for one second that spirit will not provide what is necessary for the highest expression of love in our life? If we're willing to align with that, spirit, that is our spiritual nature. That's our true identity. Everything has already been provided for that. You know, it's the seek the kingdom first which is within, and all else will be added unto you. So if you're thinking you are not willing to put your life energy into it because you don't know whether or not you will be provided for, it's really like, how dare you? Yeah, yeah, I love it. How I like that language, too. Like, how dare we not <laughs> think that spirit would not provide... <laughs> It, we we got to be that serious about this because it, it, there's so much, there's so many opportunities to be taken out of that thinking. And so we have to be so steadfast and so mindful of being in that space and, and staying there. And, you know, obviously it's easier to do that in some areas of our life when we really are just super surrendered, right? Whereas in other areas we can just say, well, I want to hold on to this so tightly. Um, but... When we give it up, that furniture is just a tremendous experience. Just saying, I, and I'm happy. I think I think the more we experience how the surrender leads to the solution, the more we just surrender. The more yeah. surrender becomes our way. And and so once again, back to that original point, that lots of little light actions, just continuously inviting spirit in and and saying yes and saying, show me where to go and what to do and what to say. And, and just trusting that we will be given what we need. Beautifully said. Yes. You know, and it's, it's more than we could ever imagine will be given to us, just like you were, you were saying before. So if someone is really admired in self-judgment, which is the opposite of self-esteem, if they're mired in self-judgment, then what they're doing, don't you think, is they're making their opinion more important than their divinity or any other thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and, and they're putting them, 
self before spirit, right? So yeah. Rather than that, the thy will be done way of living is my will be done, and that's a train wreck, right? We all know what that feels like. Oh, and, yeah. it, it, you know, the, the, the line, you know, if you knew who walked with, beside you, mm-hmm. right? Can't quote it properly in the moment. Mm-hmm. That, to me, says it all. You knew who walked beside you. And, 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 I mean, I could cry just thinking about it. It's like, once you accept that, once you accept Jesus in your life, once you accept that there is a companion, once you accept that you are being given everything you need and you are totally taken care of, you can breathe. You can live so differently and so much more fun. And, and, <laughs> it's, and I, just, I just wish that upon everyone. I really wish that upon everyone to have a spiritual relationship of their own understanding, whoever it may be, angels, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, whoever wants to come to you, whoever you want to talk to and listen to and whoever you resonate with. And and without you know without the posse that that I that I allow into my life I would be nowhere. This this work isn't happening just by me. This is a collaborative effort, and my life is a collaborative effort. And that really helps a lot with the, with the self esteem, right? Like when you feel when you feel the love of spirit around you, when you can shut your eyes and feel angel wings wrap around you. How could you possibly? feel a lack of love. It's true. I call it partnering up. Yes. Yeah. We, we partner and up. And all, all is re- that's required really to accept that full load of partnership, like the, the unbelievable help from the invisible realm, all that's required is our willingness. And, you know, I've, I've begun a very powerful practice with Kundalini Yoga. So mixing my Kundalini and my quartz practice and <laughs> yeah, I all love the things Kundalini. I have in my life, it's like, it's really just like an immediate download. And so that, you know, that, and then, and then the neat things that happen, you know, the, the sparks of light, you know, it's like these moments of, you know, feeling, for me, you know, there'll be moments of, feel spirit holding my hand. I see the last of light. Or I start to see the edges of images lit up in light, you know. These are the moments when the course comes alive and all the promises come to be. And you're, you're sitting there and you're like, oh, this is what this is all about. And it all starts to make sense. And I think that once again, to the newcomer, this is about daily commitment. And the more committed you are, the more those messages become your reality. It's quite incredible. It is. It blows your hair back. It really does. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it is so far beyond you can imagine when you start. Yeah. And then you get trained into not exactly expecting a miracle, but allowing a miracle all the time, inviting the miracle all the time. And the miracle really is the transformation of your consciousness from feeling small and little and unworthy and undeserving to recognizing that you're one with the infinite. How could you be unworthy of anything if you're one with the infinite? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, you know, I love what the Court says. Can you imagine what a state of mind without illusion is? You know, so it, it, it's really, it's neat. I mean, I think there's, there's also sort of a scary place that we come to when the illusion begins to lift and we know there's this other stuff happening, but we're still in the illusion and like this weird dance that we do. Um, I, was talking to, I was talking to David a bit about this on the radio, and... It's just that, and, and, and it's, it's that transition that, mm-hmm. uh, though it can be really beautiful, it's also really scary. And I don't know, what's your experience been of that? Uh, of the illusion? Of just that shifting period of when things start to become less illusory to you and you start to see, like, see more truth. Hmm. Let me just feel into that for a second. You know, I, I think I, I can remember many mornings, very early in the morning, uh, uh, sitting with the course book in my hands and and not even necessarily reading it, but just sitting with it and maybe reading a sentence or two and feeling the truth of it and weeping, just weeping, weeping and weeping and weeping because I was so grateful that this companion was with me, that there was an eternal truth, I could access it, and I was not doomed to live in the hellaciousness of feeling separate anymore, that I I was liberating. And so uh, the, the liberation that truth brings is, it's, it's, in a sense, it's hard to describe, but it, it really is what's, what you're saying is moving into an awareness of that which is real. Yeah. When so yeah. many of us, we live in a world where people are encouraged to fantasize and dream. You know, so much of uh, even spiritual teaching is about manifestation is about uh, really teaching people to, in a sense, fantasize about having stuff and that the stuff is going to somehow uh, be evidence of your ability to know the truth. And there's, there's just, there are so many mixed messages in the spiritual world and the self-help world. And the thing about the Course is it really is so pure. Yeah, yeah. That it, it gives yeah. us a doorway into really opening our minds to true reality and... There's such comfort there, there's such peace there, there's such healing there, and it's all completely available when we do, as you're saying, surrender, cultivate that willingness. And it, it, it's required that we have to sit. We have to sit still with spirit. Yeah, yeah. If we don't give ourselves that communication time, it's like, it's like you know, if you pray and then you pick up a coffee and you're and your phone, you know, it's like you're in a one-way conversation, you know. It's like you need to just listen. You need to get, just just shut up and listen. <laughs> and and that, you know, that's that's the best, right? Like sometimes I'll be sitting on the couch and my fiance will be sitting across from me in my head. We'll start spinning and my eyes will roll backwards and I'm just listening. Like what is going on? And I'm just like, oh, I'm just sleeping, you know. Like, but I'm hearing so much, you know, and. I think the more we, we choose to listen, the more we can listen all the time, right? 
like we can have that experience and that capacity to tune in, tune in, tune in whenever we want. And we can have that conversation dialed up whenever we want, not just when we're on a meditation retreat, you know, not just when we're in our core study group. But it's a life experience. The Holy Spirit is live streaming all the time. Live streaming, yeah, man. I mean, it's just all the time. And so if we think it comes and goes, what actually is coming and going is our attention, our listening. So it goes back to self-esteem. If we're more interested in what we think and our opinions, our judgments, the story that we have made up about our circumstances, about what's possible for us, then we we obviously aren't going to be listening to the holy live stream of healing that is always available to us. Right, right. And I think it's also really important that we reemphasize that gaining self-esteem is actually not about getting anything. It's about losing everything. It's about <laughs> losing all of the things that we thought we were. And it's an interesting thing because as you lose that, you gain so much, it's such a weird thing, right? Like, as you lose all of the false pretenses, you, you, you gain a lot in, in, in this world, in, in, you know, in the sense of begin to attract towards you your likeness, but you understand its purpose. Like, let's just say you gain, you, you let go of the need to be an author because of your ego's needs, and you gain in your your desire to be an author is for the service of it all. And then you get the book deal, right? Because you, you, the book comes in, but then then that's when we really have to stay committed to the fact that continuously losing it all, right? You're saying, okay, the book is here, but now let's stay committed to why the book is here, not yeah. let that ego stuff come back in, right? It's really, like, you will always gain. As you let go, you will gain, you know, from a, from a worldly perspective. More and more and more will be... Uh, a magnet towards the the being who stands there, you know, empty-handed and having his hands to you, you know. But then it's like, what do I do with this now that it's given to me? Does this make sense? Exactly. Uh, Jesus in the New Testament says, you have to lose your little life to gain life eternal. So this this is it. It's where shifting from the ego identification, the grasping, the needing, the wanting, the not having, to recognizing that we have. It's pre-installed. Yeah. You know, it's like you get those things in the mail, you're pre-approved. We're pre-approved. It's pre-installed. It's available anytime we want to choose it. And then I think it's important to say that, like, the, the purpose of having, right? It's like we have, and now that we identify and recognize we have, what are we going to do with that, right? <laughs> are we going to... That, that's, our, that's where the real responsibility comes in. Oh, what yeah. What are we to do with that? Yeah. You know, I don't know about you, but people ask all the time, does it get any easier? You know, because a lot of times when people are in the first few years of their spiritual practice, and they're going from, say, a place of uh, drug addiction and really low self-esteem, it can feel so hard. When you were in that first year, let's say, of this transformation, did it feel like you were constantly going back to your knees, like, oh, my God, this is so hard? I mean, 
I don't think that that was an easy time just because I had so much unlearning to do and I was just, and I was recovering, but it was way easier than what I was doing when I wasn't there. And so wow. regardless of the discomfort that we might be in early in the spiritual process, way better than not being in a spiritual process. So I think in the midst of it being difficult, I still just felt such a tremendous amount of relief. You know, just relief of, oh, my God, I don't have to do that anymore. I can, you know, I can turn to this. There is a solution. There are, are resources. Right? There is help. So for people so, who feel it, it, it is really, really hard and they're feeling really stuck, because I, I can just feel some folks who are listening, going to be listening to the replays, uh, that they're thinking, well, I hey, I've been trying to do this for years. It's not easy for me. It's not working for me. What what is the thing that you think really most greased the wheels for you, the wheels of transformation? I think that I felt so much relief in knowing that there was a plan better than mine. Mm. And staying in that space really helped me a lot really helped me stay on path and stay on course and stay committed. And so just continuously reminding myself that this plan is far greater than mine and I'm in the process. And not feeling like I had to fix it all overnight, just trusting that being, and also trusting that being in the process and the subtle shifts were going to be the solution. That, that in those subtle shifts, I was going to have tremendous, tremendous breakthroughs. And so it wasn't about, oh, i got to get somewhere. It's like, I just got to be here and move through this, and it will just arrive. What it is, you know, peace will set in. So what I'm hearing is you really had a tremendous willingness to rely not on your own opinion anymore, but to open to be guided. That's right. And that willingness is exactly what has brought me to right where I am today. And not only the willingness from, you know, October 2005, the willingness every day since, every single day since. Every single day is a day of willingness and, and surrender and turning my day over to the Holy Spirit and saying, what miracles did you have me perform today? And being in that space every single day is what keeps it going and what deepens the growth. Did you have any particular opinions about yourself or judgments against yourself that were really challenging to dislodge? Yeah, I think that there there's a lot of self-forgiveness that has to happen early on in anyone's process. And for me, you know, I had um, a lot of inventory to take based on what I had done to others and to myself physically as a result of using drugs and alcohol and as a result of the situations and circumstances I got myself into. And so there was a lot of forget, a lot of self-forgiveness that had to go down. And, and then today, I will always unconsciously revert back into those old behaviors. So that pattern of being the non-judgmental witness, looking at my fear, and then saying, I forgive you, I love you, let's release this. That is the, that is the go-to pattern. That is the inner dialogue. That is how I speak to myself, and that is what I've learned learned behavior and that process is really what saved me and saved me from not 
staying stuck in self-hatred and self-attack. And today, even at this point, when that isn't my go-to place, I still have many moments of self-attack and, and, and discomfort because of actions or thoughts or beliefs about myself. And that practice of just forgiveness is really what lets it go. And, and that practice being so involuntary today is really what's so great about it. Yeah, for me, it really uh, it came as a practice of self-compassion. Like having treating myself like someone who is lovable. Yeah, yeah. And I started finding innocence. Yeah, I started. Here's one of the things that really helped me, and that was I realized that any time that I made a mistake, so I I did something that could be labeled as stupid, or foolish, or bad, or wrong. Any time I made a mistake, that that was an opportunity for me to forgive myself and to have compassion. So forgiveness is love. It's a compassionate expression of love. And love, uh, compassion rather, is loving understanding. So I developed the discipline that every time I made a mistake, I would move into compassion for myself. And I had the realization then that every time I made a mistake, actually more love was being expressed in this world because I made a mistake when I forgave myself. So the world was a loving, more loving place because of my mistake. Because I love it. The mistake yeah. br- brought me that's... into a place of love, yeah. I love that. And I think they were talking about the same exact thing, just different ways of expressing it. It's like, as I began to see my ego's ways as just new opportunities for forgiveness, it became so nice. Oh, okay, great. More practice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you it, it's it's that. It's moving into exactly what you're saying. I love that. That's beautiful. It's it's the oh, I'm grateful. I can see here's my opportunity to practice. I have the awareness that my practice makes it better. That my practice brings me closer to happiness, to joy, to my true identity. So therefore I welcome my practice. And it's moving from, because I, I used to look at when I would see negativity and things in my mind, I would go, oh, here's another one. And so I moved from that place to, oh, here's another one. Yeah. Because, because I was taking out the trash. Yep. And when you perform the practice, you then feel so grateful and proud of yourself for doing the work. <laughs> yeah, and then... Hey, frozen yogurt, you make a treat and you reward yourself. <laughs> I mean, seriously, there are certain ways to, um, for me, just say, oh, okay, now you've done a good thing. I would pat myself on the back and I would say, uh, I developed the way of speaking to myself that instead of chastising myself when I would make a mistake, I would say, darling, sweetheart, it's okay, you've made a mistake you can learn from this. Learning is good. You're a learner. We like to learn. Now we're learning. Awesome. This is great. And so I learned to reframe. It sounded like, um, yeah, you learned to reframe it, right? Yeah. It's, what I was going to say was, go ahead. I was going to say that you sounded like um, Louise Hay spoke to a bunch of us um, 
we spoke, a bunch of new, new teachers spoke at a Ignite, Hey Hath Ignite conference. And before, and we, you know, we were all like Wayne Dyer's opening for us. You know, it was like this really <laughs> an interesting, intimate experience, right? And many of the speakers were like really nervous and, and uncomfortable with, you know, talking on the stage with, with our teachers and this and that. Mm. And Louise just said, here's how I want you to speak to yourself. I want you to get off that stage, and no matter what you did, no matter what happened, I want you to say, I love you. You did the most beautiful job. You are incredible. You are amazing. You know, it, just, it just reminds me, you know, it's just, just that, and I just, I'll never forget that pep talk she gave us. The best, best pep talk I'll ever have been given in my life. Right? It's like, <laughs> no matter what you do, you love yourself. You, you praise yourself. Say, I love you. You know, it's, and I took that into every area of my life, really. Yeah. That's how you turn around that inner critic voice is you, I, I, I used to say that I had an inner critic and um, she was like a Nazi trainer and I, I called her Helga back when I lived in New York back in the 80s. And Helga didn't let me rest. She was a brutal and so I really, I really worked at when I would hear that voice of Helga saying, okay, Helga, it's going to be okay, but we're not going to take that approach. No, right, we're no not you don't get to today. talk to me yeah. that way. Yeah. And yeah. it's about addressing it every time, like really becoming consistent. Yeah, 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 every time. But I love it, like just being so compassionate and loving towards yourself. Really just the most beautiful way to be. And that takes practice, and that takes time. And, you know, I love that the Course says, don't judge your ego with your ego. And so <laughs> as we look, and as we continuously look and look and look at the ego, it's going to be easy to say, oh, my God, I'm a train wreck, right? Or, oh, God, I've got so much work to do, or how dare I be this way? And take that one. Don't judge your ego with your ego. Well, yeah, because the the ego never looks at anything and sees that it's enough. The ego only ever sees lack. And the ego is always saying, you have to get more, you have to get more, you don't have, you're in lack. Spirit is always saying, seek within, it's already there, it's pre-installed, you've got it, baby. Enjoy it, express it, reveal it, own it, share it, it's already there, there is no lack. So we can learn to talk to ourselves like that and embody the voice of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And that's eventually the only voice you choose to call and then eventually it's the only voice you hear. Yeah. Not the only voice, but it's the louder voice, right? Yes. That's been my experience. I mean, of course, the ego voice comes in, but the voice of the Holy Spirit is so much louder. I'm so quick to come in and, and save the day. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's like we're we're like the Blues Brothers. You know, we're on a mission from God, and we really are. We're on a mission to remember our true identity. And as each one of us does it, it's like a light going on in the world. And so the you know the great thing, uh, you know, it's it sounds trite now, but it's so true that when the light turns on, it doesn't have to have an argument or a conversation or intimidate the darkness. 
it just the light goes on the darkness is is not there anymore it doesn't exist anymore because it's nothing it's nothing the light mm. is something so we are that light that lighteth up every man woman and child in the world and if we are convinced that we're not good enough then we've got our light under a bushel as they say and and it's just it's our free will choice we can do that we can do that i say to people sometimes who are in this place of low self-esteem i say to them okay let's just do this let's just set a deadline how much longer are you going to think you that you're a piece of crap and let's just say okay right. on this day that i'm not going to do that anymore yeah and people will sometimes like look at me and go what I can't just decide I'm not a piece of crap anymore. I'm like, why not? It's not true. Right. Exercising that choice is exactly really accepting that your happiness is a choice you make is, is what we have to, have to claim and come to. And, and not say, oh, I can't. I like that, though. I like the deadline. That's nice. It works, I'm telling you, because I'll say to people, let's just set a deadline. So you can say this afternoon, you can say next week, you can say next year, you can say 10 years from now. But just give yourself some kind of a tangible deadline that you say, from now till then, I have permission to think I'm a piece of crap, and after that, I don't. And I say, what, what, what's the deadline you want to set? And usually people are like, now, I want to start now. I really yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Would you rather be right or happy? Yeah. Another way that sometimes is is helpful with people is, you know, people get so attached to, and you you you've t shared a lot about this that we get identified with. It's the stuff. It's the stuff that validates me. So if I don't have the stuff, I'm not validated. How am I going to get validated if I don't focus on getting the stuff? That is a big one for a lot of people. You know, they think that having the spouse, having the job, having the money, having the body, having the recognition, all of that stuff, without it, their life isn't worth living. When someone's in that place, because it really sounds like from what you've written and shared that you were in that place how yeah. do you break out of that one i think it comes back to understanding what stuff is about right so there's a difference between just like denouncing all the stuff and saying oh well i'm on a spiritual path and so i don't need or want any of that right and there's another way of looking at it and saying i got work to do I want to do it in a big way. I am unapologetic about what I want in my life to help support me so I can do my great work, right? Yep. And so for me, that was the biggest shift. When I started to accept, oh, okay, the, the book, the, the, you know, the collaborators, the publishers, the, um, the abundance, the support financially, emotionally, all of that isn't about my pretense of myself anymore. It's about helping me hold this container, helping me be an expression, helping me reinvest in the mission. Then it all becomes really 
free flowing and not about you, but about the greater purpose. That right? is beautiful. So I think that there's a dangerous place people can get into. Although I'm so spiritual, how dare I have stuff, right? How dare I have abundance? How dare I have comfort? How yep. dare I have security? I want to say, screw that. And how dare you not have that? And how <laughs> dare you not accept that God will give you everything you need to be an extension of love? And so that's where I come from. I come from a place of dwelling in a space of abundance and dwelling in a space of of, of real richness in the sense of knowing that I really allow the presence of spirit to give me everything I need so that I can expand and grow a message that I believe needs to be heard. And so that means a comfortable home to live in, to write in. That means financial insecurity lifted completely. That means loving relationships that support my, my great work and support me as a being. That means, whatever that means, that means physical health. I embrace that wholeheartedly. I expect that, and I welcome that fully. And I think it's really important for us to understand that being spiritual students, spiritual teachers, doesn't mean we need to be broke. Well, and, and don't you think, too, that oftentimes when people have a sense of unworthiness, low self-esteem, that they're in that place of lack, and so they're often struggling with limitation in all areas of their life. So they they don't think they're enough, and so they just keep manifesting experience of not enough, not enough. Not enough, not yeah. Enough. And I think that's, that's exactly right. I mean, I think that the the real shift occurs is that when we, when we stop looking at the stuff as the source of completion and self-worth, and we start looking at the, 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 first, the first goal is you know, the healing, the first goal is transformation and, 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 and refilling our spiritual bank account, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then that abundant mentality is reflected back towards us. And that just happens naturally. And it's much like what we were saying. Once we let go of the need for the stuff, the stuff can come in naturally, you know, and it's just there to help us, right? It's not there to make us feel like we're complete. It's there to, help, it's there to support us in the work that we need to do. David and I talked about this a lot. You know, David was like, yeah, you know, I was in Hawaii and somebody offered me a mansion to speak in and I'm staying there for a week. And, you know, it's like, we got to just say, thank you, yes, thank you, yes, I will receive this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Show me more. I welcome more. I, I, I'm grateful for all of it. Let's work together. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And just let it all come in. But you're absolutely right. When we're dwelling in a space of lack energy, then everything's lacking. Well, and it's true, the more that we open to receive and become that great listener that you were sharing about, then we become receptive to all kinds of things. So in the material world as well as in the invisible world. So receptivity is key, but if we feel unworthy, then we're not going to be so receptive. That's right, yeah, definitely. You know, another thing, we've we've only got a few minutes left here, Gabrielle, and um, I know we could talk for hours, but uh, and go from go keep going to more topics and more topics. But just staying here, I know that one thing that you have shared about that you have real insight about is bouncing back and forth between thinking that you're better than 
and thinking that you're less than other people and all of that. That is a particular kind of hell. And a lot of people are in that, uh, bouncing back and forth between inferiority and superiority. What, what do you have to say yeah. about that? I work with this one all the time for myself. <laughs> you know, it's so easy to be like, I'm so cool, you know, or it's so easy to be like, oh, I'm not that, right? And it, that's been a big one for me. You know, I grew up in a home that was like a lot of like, you know, needing everybody to see how great I was. You know, and so that shows up in really funky ways. And so what I do is in those situations, I can no longer, I feel very nauseous when that behavior comes out. And I think that starts to happen. The more mindful we become of the ego, the more uncomfortable we become in the ego. So even though it shows up, we just feel so grossed out by it that it's like such an immediate response. Oh, that's not who I am. Bring it to the Holy Spirit. Let's forgive ourselves. Let's move on. And that, that pattern that we spoke of earlier of, you know, non-judgmental witness, bring it to, to love and let it be healed. That practice just, you know, organically shows up, but the first part is being witness of it. So, you know, I, I feel that stuff come in all the time. It is an old, yucky pattern. It doesn't resonate with who I am today, but it absolutely still shows up. And my work is to bring it to love and just continuously forgive myself for that old pattern. Continuously remind myself that is not who I am. Continuously, you know, forgive myself for my actions and my thoughts and my words and all of the, you know, self-promotion and all the crazy stuff that we like to do. And I continue to stay really non-judgmental, really kind, really loving, and just say, help me see this differently. You know, but I think being really, really mindful of it. Yeah. Bringing the ego out shining a huge flashlight on that ego. Let's feel this. And not allowing ourselves to entertain either fantasy of greater than or less than. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, either one is an equal fantasy, exactly. And, and it's just so, it's just so stuck to dry, that energy. Hard. Really hard to not go back and forth there. You know, I, I wonder if you could share a little, I know you talk about this in your book, Spirit Junkie, uh, how when you were a kid uh, and then you had the experience of, it's your relationship with your father and then getting the acting gig, because I, I have the sense as you're talking that sharing some of that story and that healing will really support people. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, that's where, you just nailed it. I mean, that's where all of that came from, that uh-huh. need to be heard, that need to be seen, was the experience of not feeling like my father paid attention. And when I was 10 years old, I I landed this commercial, like a national commercial, and I remember my father picking me up and spinning me around, and that was the first time I ever noticed my father paying attention to me. Mm-hmm. So... I, my ego equated success equals dad loves me, right? And so I put myself on a real journey of needing a lot of success, you know, and needing success to be the reason for my self-worth. And as I've grown spiritually, I've come to understand that that is not the truth. And, and it's so funny because I spent so many years, you know, calling my father every Sunday, just going down the list of all the things that I had going for myself. And today, like, he has to beg for it to get it out of me. You know, I don't even want to go there. I'm like, 
things are bad, things are rocking, you know. And that's just real recovery. It's real, real hardcore recovery because, but, but then it shows up in other places. You know, it shows up, you know, at a dinner party. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is how about three published books. And, you know, you just go into the dumb story, right? It's very easy to go right back into that place of meeting people to see you. But I think that the more we practice the principles of the course, the more uncomfortable we become in the ego. And, and you just cannot dwell there anymore. And it's, it's, we witness it in the moment, we surrender in the moment, and we shift it in the moment. And that's, that's been my, my, my graceful experience, which is learning to let it go. Indeed. That's it. It's the moment-by-moment moment practice, the real willingness to walk the talk, live the love, and choose choose love. Choose love in every single moment and to not let a moment pass us by, not let an opportunity for our healing pass us by. And if we do, then in that moment we can say, oh, I missed the moment yesterday, I missed the moment this morning, I missed the moment five minutes ago, so I'm going to claim it right now. I'm going to forgive myself for the missed opportunity. I'm going to take it right now and love myself right now. Yeah. Wow. Well, we we are at uh, the time for us to close here. Now, I know, can you just, before I pray us out, Gabrielle, can you um, remind people, uh, let's tell them about your books, your website, how to get the free stuff. So my books are Add More Ink to Your Life, Spirit Junkie, and the new book is called May Cause Miracles. And everything can be found at gabbyb.tv, and I have free meditations and videos that are available there, and it's gabbyb.tv. Beautiful. I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to talk and connect with you. For those who are listening um, this is our first time really getting to know each other. It's been great, really great. I look forward to being with you in person when you're out here in Los Angeles. And by the way, I'm going to be in New York at the end of the month, so I'll have to tell you about Go that. Ahead. I've got a workshop at the Open Center on September 29th. And uh, I'm looking forward to that because when I was in my lowest point, I was taking workshops at the Open Center myself when I lived in New York. So it's going to be... a beautiful example, and now you're teaching there. Thank you. I know. Beautiful. <laughs> How cool is that? I can't wait. That's going to be fun. It is cool. Yeah. So I'm going to invite right. everyone Oh, also to remember that we're you can be with us and David Hoffmeister and Gary Renard and everybody at the Course of Miracles conference in Chicago in uh, April next year. We're all going to be there. And so... We're, we're looking forward to giving you a hug in person there. So in the meantime, let's all place our hand back on our heart and take this holy breath of gratitude and once again consciously partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self and remember that our true identity is perfect, whole, and complete, that really we are the love of God. We always have been and we always will be and we dare not have any other opinion. So any judgments that we've held against ourselves or anyone else, we're placing them on the holy altar right now. We're recognizing that they no longer have value for us. We're accepting our healing. We're awakening to our divinity and we are grateful and thankful 
to share the benefits of our healing with everyone because we're one with them. So grateful and so thankful to remember the truth that sets us free. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. This is Jennifer Hadley again. I invite you to remember that your dedication to your life of love is the best gift that you can share with the world. Love is the only healer, and it's always available to you for the asking. Remember, too, that you cannot have that which you're unwilling to share. Share the love today. Love out loud and know that all boats rise on this holy tide of love. Thank you for joining us. Please go to jenniferhadley.com for more tools and practical loving support every day.